I got my wisdom teeth out in high school, and the oral surgeon that I went to go see was... There's no other way to say it. He was really hot. (laughs) He was, like, in his 20s and, like, just good-looking, like, so nice. The best guy. I should point out that he was already married with kids at this point, so it's not like he would have looked my way anyway, Um, and obviously I was underage, but I just thought he was the shit, and I wanted to impress him so bad, and I wanted him to think I was cool. I remember thinking about this. I was like laying there and they got me all set up for my wisdom teeth to be removed. You know, I'm like laying in the chair and he came in and he looks even better than I remembered. Oh my God. And he's like, hey, you know, how are you? All the polite small talk. And I'm like, I'm good. How are you? Um, Just trying to do anything I can to stand out to this man. And all of a sudden, he looks down at me, and he's like, Did you know that there's a hole in your shoes? And I'm like, yes, because of course I know that they're my shoes. And then he's like, and did you know that there's also a hole in your socks at the same part? So somebody can look through and just see your toes? Which is maybe the most embarrassing question anybody has ever asked me. Oh, God, sir, way to call me out. Like, yeah, obviously I know that I have eyes. I, too, can see my toes sticking the fuck out of my shoes, okay? Don't shame me for this. So I tried to make a joke about it to seem cool and alluring still, Um, not that there's any way to save the situation when somebody has pointed out that they can see your toes. Um, but I tried and I still remember I tried to make a joke and I was like, ah ha ha, I guess I just have like a killer big toe, which (laughs) if you're thinking that's an awful way to flirt, you're right. Not only is that not hot and not cool and not funny, It's actually the least hot, funny, or cool thing you could possibly say. Like, there's no way to immediately look weirder than to make a comment about the strength of your big toe. (laughs) So, that's where I'm at. I've done this to myself. I've dug myself into the depths of hell. And I'm thinking, you know, at least it can't get any worse than this godforsaken place that I've put myself in. And then, he takes the moment, thinks looks me dead in the eye, and goes, you know, that's pretty good. I think I'm going to call you Big Toe. Enjoy getting your wisdom teeth out, Big Toe. And that's the last thing I remember before going under from the laughing gas. This beautiful, beautiful man standing over me, calling me Big Toe. This is Camelia. Please pick up the phone. I love fashion. If you know me, you know I love putting together a good outfit. And if you don't know me, I love putting together a good outfit. And this has really put me in quite a bit of a dilemma because I love clothes and I love to buy new clothes, but I also feel really awful about buying new clothes because I have enough clothes and Lord knows I don't need any more of them. 
Not to mention, the word of the moment is sustainability, which should be the word of forever, but, um, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But sustainability has really entered the conversation in fashion recently, with people talking more about trend cycles and the fact that there's so much production, overproduction, and overconsumption, buy new clothes every week and keep up with the trends and then end up throwing them out, yada yada. It's a bad cycle. So buying things isn't quite as simple as it used to be. You would just go to the mall uh, and pick something up that you needed and then you'd go home with your thing that you knew you liked and you knew fit you. And now it's like a whole long complicated process. This whole thing starts with what basically feels like a rom-com meet-cute moment. I see a piece of clothing, online usually, and the lights dim, the background fades, the music swells, and it's just me and that piece of clothing looking at each other. And in that moment, I know I have to have it. And then I enter what I would basically describe as the five stages of grief, but for shopping. Um, let's break it down. After the rom-com meet cute, I enter phase one, the cheapy, aka denial from the five stages of grief, where I start thinking of all the reasons why buying this would be a bad idea. I'm like, no, um, it's stupid, it's overpriced, I would never pay this much for this item of clothing, um, you know, I'm sure it's not even worth this much, it's probably not even well made, it wouldn't even look good on me, on and on and on until I convince myself that this piece of clothing isn't worth it at all and I should just give up. But I still kind of like it. I hit phase two, the coupon clipper, aka anger. And now I just go absolutely ham on trying to find a discount because I'm like, well, if only I could make it be cheaper, it would be like more worth it. And if I found a coupon or it went on sale, like God, I would have to buy it then. Um, now, because I work in tech and I am mad paranoid about people stealing my information, I don't use any of those plugins that will just like try all the coupons for you. So instead I choose to just like manually give myself a virus by going through all of those sketchy sites that like list out all the potential coupons for sites and entering every single one of them myself. And occasionally I get when that works, but most of the time I don't and they're just scams. Then I move on to phase three, the bargaining phase, which is where I go thrifty. So the ideal way to get a new piece of clothing is obviously to buy it secondhand. And I love uh, thrifting in person. I think it's so fun um, and just like a great way to get clothes in general. But there are weirdly not a lot of thrift stores in DC, like at all. And the only ones that are here are not a proper thrift store. They're like quote unquote vintage. So everything is really expensive. So that's kind of not an option for me. And it's also kind of hard in general. Like if you're looking for a specific item of clothing, it's definitely hard to find at a thrift store. Like if you're just looking for a new pair of pants, you know, Goodwill, Salvation Army, like any secondhand store is a great option. But if you're looking for like a bedazzled orange tube top with fringe, I just made that up. I swear I'm, I'm not actually looking for that. But um, it's hard to find that at any random thrift store. But there are a lot of online places to buy secondhand now where you can search for the exact item you're looking for and see if anyone has bought it and wants to resell it, which is a really wonderful option. 
Except these places don't have any return policy because you're basically just buying it from an individual and they also don't have very good sizing. So like, you know, you might buy it from someone who labels the sizes really helpfully or you might buy it from someone who doesn't and you don't have that option of sending it back. I'm in the sorrow phase of the stages of grief, but what I like to affectionately call the jilted lover. Is it bad for the environment? And the answer is almost always yes, because that's just where we're at with the state of clothing today. Almost always, you do a little bit of digging, even the tiniest bit of digging, and you find out that something is actually horrible for the earth. And here's where I'm going to plug a website that I use called Good On You, and I'll leave a link in the description. It will give you some background information about how sustainable a company is. They have their own rating system, and they rate companies on their ethics in terms of how good they are for animals, for people and their labor conditions, and also for the environment and the planet. Um, And I think it's nice that they take all of those factors into account um, because, you know, it's not just about, like, rabbit fur, right? It's about, like, paying a living wage. Anyway, Good On You always tells me that everywhere I'm trying to shop at is very, very bad for the environment, for people, for the world. So I'm like, fuck, I have to give up this entire brand. So I'm like, okay, maybe I can find something similar on a website that actually is sustainable. And I start looking into sustainable clothing companies. Again, good on you. We'll tell you these ones that are actually really top rated. However, they're all either a million dollars or ugly or both. I can't afford to pay $100 for a t-shirt that was made out of the floss from eucalyptus trees. Is eucalyptus a tree? I cannot afford to pay $100 to buy yoga pants that are made of bamboo. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Last Mother's Day, I bought my mom those yoga pants that are made of bamboo. She likes them, but were they worth it? Not really. (laughs) If, by some miracle, you've made it through this whole process and you haven't been able to find it at a thrift store and you've finally found your coupon or the item's gone on sale, by this point, you've stared at it so much And by you, I mean me. I've stared at it so much that I hate it because I've just been looking at this piece of clothing every day, agonizing over if I should buy it, if I'm contributing to churning the wheel of capitalism, which that's a yes for sure. And by the time I make it through, I hate this piece of clothing so much that I don't buy it, which is actually the most sustainable option of all, of course, is just to not buy new things. But why did I put myself through this god-awful cycle of agony? For what? Just to end up empty-handed. But at least I finally reached acceptance, right? Today's sponsor is a brand that needs no introduction. The warm sun on your skin... The slight breeze, the flowers blooming. That's right, people. Pick Up the Phone is proud to be partnering with Springtime. Springtime is something I've actually been a fan of for years. I just love the way it makes me feel. There's nothing that helps me shed the weight of uncontrollable sadness quite like spring. Springtime has recently released a new version, Spring 2.0, which comes with more pollen and more unpredictable weather. Use our code PHONE, that's P-H-O-N-E, for early access to this new edition of spring. Say goodbye to cold, dark days and hello to a happier, sneezier you. Only available with springtime. I work in software engineering and people love to tell me how smart of a decision that was because technology is kind of a part of every company. I think they're talking about IT and I want to be clear, my job is not the same as IT. 
the point still stands, right? Like, whatever um, company or industry you're part of, who hasn't had to adapt to video calls or file sharing or digital statistics? So, uh, do cartels have a tech department? I'm serious. I'm so serious. Do they email? Do they have Slack or Microsoft Teams? I like to think they do and that they just use the money emoji as a reaction for everything. Is there a guy you call if your burner phone starts bugging? And then you gotta be like, hey, uh, this is Paul from Distributions. My employee number is 64339. And, uh, oh, you have to put me on hold? No, that that's fine. I'll just wait. Oh, hi again. Yeah, so it's Paul with Distributions. I think I'm locked out of my account. No, yeah, I, no, I know there's a way to manually reset my password. I did that. It's not working. That's, that's why I'm calling. No, wait, please don't put me on hold again. Did cartels have an analytics team? Is someone crunching the numbers on which products are doing the best in which regions? Sir... If you'll look here at the numbers, it's clear to see that cocaine rates are down 14% in the fourth quarter. Accordingly, we've mocked up an ad campaign targeting the West Coast, a region we historically have struggled to excel in. We're thinking something hip and fresh to connect with the youth. We're calling it Ride the Wave. So if you are, you know, in charge of payroll for a cartel, do you think it's super annoying watching all the shows that dramatize drug smuggling and mob bosses? And you just have to sit there and watch the TV like, we don't all get knife fights, okay? Some of us just manage the Excel spreadsheets. Not to equate working for a cartel with my job, but coding is another thing that's weirdly super glamorous on TV. I feel like it's in all the cop shows and all the detective shows and all the political shows, someone will just call in like some freaking wizard of a programmer to unlock the systems before the timer runs out and the whole world is in trouble. Like, I just cannot put together in my head all of these like great montages of people clacking on keys with that green text on the black background, you know, like hacking into the enemy's systems to find their information. And then me googling something for like the 80th time today being like how to fix remote server not accessible error 802 that's what i do all day software companies mostly the private tech companies really just have these fucking ridiculous perks that nobody has ever needed um like i used to work somewhere where they had a machine that would make you your own seltzer with like any flavor that you could ever think of. Like, you could be like, pear hibiscus, and it would spit it out. Why we needed that, I have no fucking clue. It was nice, though. I will say, I did use it. Um, But then one day the machine broke, and somebody went to the store and came back with, like, a crate of seltzers in every flavor imaginable. Like, literally wall-to-wall rainbow. Like, we had blackberry, we had raspberry, we had strawberry, we had peach, lemon, Lime. Like, I was like, Jesus. Like, you really could have done one citrus, one berry. Because, like, Lord knows that, like, orange does not taste different than peach in a seltzer. It just doesn't. And, I mean, I think that some of these perks are nice. Like, I, I think that we all deserve a nice quality of living while we're in the office. But it's also, like, 
when when you have enough of these like nice freebies given to you, it sets off some of the spidey senses, right? Like you're just like, what are you hiding at this point? Um, like for the companies that start pulling out, like we have a gym in here, and like we'll actually like pay for your trip to Aruba. It's like what. <laughs> What don't you want me to know about you? That you were like, y'all, it's cheaper to pay for all the employees to go to Aruba than it is for them to find out what we're actually asking them to do. I've had a lot of people, like upwards of 10 people, make comments to me after they find out what I do for a living and be like, oh my god, I would never have guessed that. That's crazy. You don't look like a programmer at all. And it's like, can you imagine if you put that in another situation and, you know, your friend was like, oh, I'm bisexual. And you were like, that's weird. You don't look bisexual at all. Like, just admit that you have strong stereotypes and can't, like, bear for them to be broken. Because, like, what am I supposed to say back to that? Thank you? You don't think I'm that bad stereotype? Or, like, no thank you because you just insulted, like, my entire profession and, like, all of my co-workers? Oh, just don't ever say that to anyone ever. And while I obviously don't think that any of those, um, looks-based stereotypes really need to be talked about uh, or applied to people. I I do think the one that does kind of hold true is like the mindset you enter when you've been coding for a long time and you get really deep into a project is just like otherworldly. And I think this is true for a lot of professions too, or just like when you're concentrating really hard on something and you go into the zone. But for me, for coding specifically, I become like a little gremlin goblin. And if you're unlucky enough to have seen me in this, you'll know I'm being for real because I will suddenly like look around at myself and, you know, someone will come in to be like, hey, you know, how's your, how's your work going? Do you need a snack or something? Or like, you want to go take a break? And I'll like emerge from underneath a pile of keyboards, my shoulders hunched and just be like, the algorithm is not optimized for all of the variable instability. And nobody should ever have to see me in that state. And in those moments when someone else kind of is like, what? What the fuck did you just say to me? Like, are you okay? Are there crumbs all over your body? I have to look around at myself and be like, is this where the stereotype came from? You've reached the voicemail of Camellia. Please hang up and dial again. If you made it this far, thanks for listening. Here's a little bonus about what happened after the end of the first bit with my oral surgeon. The worst part is that my dad went to go see him um, pretty recently and he remembered me, the doctor. And, you know, my dad was like, oh, you know, I told him that I was your dad. And he was like, oh, I remember her. Like he asked after you. And I was like, no, because this means he remembers my toe. And he remembers me in my darkest moment. I was like, dad, you have to fix this. Like when he asked how I'm doing, you have to tell him I'm like single and like pretty now and throw out my socks when they have holes in them now, (laughs) which he never will. But in my dreams. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Pick Up the Phone. Our show would not be possible without the support of our amazing team. Our executive producer is Camelia Pastor. Our audio editor is Camelia Pastor. Our graphic designer is Camelia Pastor. Our marketing team, Camelia and Pastor. Sales and analytics, Camelia Pastor. And of course, this season's intern is Camelia Pastor.